wanted to have a quick announcement of my own. Uh, some of you know, some of you don't, but I've got a little picture to show you. There it is. Ivana and I are having a baby. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to get emotional. I'm the emotional one in the relationship. It's true. When we were dating, I cried so often telling her how much I loved her and appreciated her. And she never cried once. I thought, man, something's up. And uh, anyways, when I dropped to the knee, I didn't cry. She did. I was like, yes. I was like, it's in there. Come on. Was, I was so excited that I got her to cry when I proposed to her. And I, was, and I didn't. And uh, it was very good. <laughs> so, yes, we, uh, we went back to, to where it all began for us. We had our wedding uh, reception at the powerhouse in Brisbane, and so we went back and uh, grabbed another white balloon and took our little chippy with us, and I uh, was super excited, so March 30, uh, we are due, or somewhere around then, uh, whenever, it, whenever it's done, it'll come, amen? So uh, yes, anyways, super ready to be a dad, can't wait, get away with all the dad jokes for real now, it's going to be good, so dads, feel free to download on me all of your dad advice, and uh, see, that's it. I've got it already, it's good, eh? Get it? Yeah, anyways, all right, well, I'll move on, uh, not here to do announcements, <laughs> that was Nikki's job, <laughs> yes, um, before I introduce my title this morning, uh, I, I just feel really strongly about this message of what God wants to share to us today, church, and um, in prayer time, uh, this is my, these were my goals, uh, freedom and exposing the enemy. And uh, Jesus made this statement when he saw the crowds around him. He was moved with compassion and he said, uh, the people are like sheep without a shepherd. They're helpless and harassed. And uh, now I don't think you guys are helpless, but we do get harassed. And, uh, and I am your shepherd and I want to be your shepherd. And so God's given me something today and uh, I will be sensitive with the content given the age of everyone in the room uh, but I encourage you to be ready for what God wants to do this morning because exposing the plans of the enemy, frustrating them, thwarting them, that's my goal this morning, that uh, we would access the abundant life because that's what Jesus said. Is a statement made by Jesus. He said, I've come to give them life and to give it to them in abundance. And so when we don't recognize the abundance in our life, it's either our eyes need to be opened or we need to fight the fight that God has put before us to fight. So this morning I've entitled my message Whispers. It's a small, still voice. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning, as we hear your voice, God, as I preach today what you've given me to preach, Lord, I pray that you would illuminate it to us. God, that you would reveal to us the things that shouldn't be there and the things that should, Lord, that we would be encouraged and equipped today. Lord God, that you would help us to continue the journey of life, God, that we would run the race with endurance, or God, that we would make it to the end. Lord God, that is your gift to us, the gift of life, and it's the gift with abundance. And so, God, we just pray this morning that, Lord, you would be here in this room as you promised you would be. Lord, we recognize that you are above it all. So, God, we'll just lean into your presence this morning. Holy Spirit, do what you can do. God, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to start with the, the great prophet Elijah uh, today. Uh, he was an incredible man of God, and he 
was uh, privileged to go through a lot uh, and to be a part of a lot of things in, in incredible moments, interesting stories. Um, there was uh, the story of the widow's son that he raised from the dead. There's a story of the altar that he had them build with the sacrifice placed on top and water poured all over it and a moat poured around it and fire comes down and consumes literally the entire thing. There was uh, revival under Elijah. There was a drought under Elijah and then there was a drought released under Elijah. And all of this happens uh, leading up to another point in his journey where he literally has the, the hand of God come upon his body and it says that he girded up his loins and he took off after the king that had just left in a chariot to race to another town and ran past him and beat him there and met the king, literally met the king at the town, got there before the king. And then in that, those moments after there, the king's sharing with a woman called Jezebel and she threatens Elijah's life. And after all of that that was said and done, Elijah runs away, fearing for his life. It's interesting, isn't it? You think about that, how quickly sometimes an attack of the enemy can cause us to, to lose memory and to lose sight of how big our God is. Of all that God had done, not just around Elijah, but using Elijah, and then one threat, and he runs away, fearing for his life, and ends up going to a cave, and it's in this moment that we're going to pick up the story this morning where he... he he gets ministered to by some angels. God sends some angels to him and they feed him and they give him a drink and then they send him on a 40-day journey. And they said, come on, Elijah, keep eating, eat more, drink more because you're going to need the energy for the, the 40 days journey ahead. And so off he goes and he comes to a cave. And it's in this cave that God starts to speak to him. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 to 14 will be on the screen for you to follow said this, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. After the fire... Another translation says there was a small, still voice. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. What happens when the whispers of God are clouded by the noise? By the wind, the shaking, the fire, the noise, the distractions. What happens when all of those things start to come against us? I believe uh, that as uh, human beings made in the image of God, we hear uh, what I can wrap up into three voices in our head. We hear human voices... So you might sometimes say, oh yeah, you can, I can hear my mum telling me to do this right now, or you, you have those, those thoughts of your parents or friends, so you, you hear them, you might hear your spouse's voice, you might hear 
uh, your children's voice, uh, you definitely hear your own voice. So there's human voices that we hear uh, in our minds. The second voice that we hear is the voice of the enemy. It's the voice condemning us. It's the voice trying to cause harm or, you know, throw additional temptations into our life or things like that. It's, it might even appear to be, you know, maybe good as the, as the cloak of light, the wolf in sheep's clothing comes and supplants thoughts. And so we hear the voice of the enemy and we also hear the voice of God. It's a small, still voice. The whispers from heaven. It's the voice of God. The voice of God is small and it is still. It seems to be such an oxymoron, doesn't it, to who God really is. God is very far from small and he's very far from still. You think about who God is, the Bible says that God holds the whole universe within him, that, that, that the, the earth is his footstool. You think about the bigness of our God. He's not small. And, and he's never still. He's always working. Behind the scenes, in front, he's always doing work. He's, there's never a moment that God is not working. Always looking after us. Always interceding for us. Always protecting us. Always providing for us. Getting stuff ready for us. God is always at work. Yet the, the word comes to Elijah that his voice is in the whisper. The low, gentle voice, small and still. You know, his voice is the very breath that holds life and the balance of all that is necessary for it to exist. It's the breath of God that breathed everything into creation. Jesus, the spoken word, holding life together. It's by his breath, it's by his voice. So why does his word say that his voice was small and still? Why does God say, I've come to you in the whisper? I believe it's so that we would have to stop and listen. That we have to stop and listen, we have to get out of the way to surrender control back to God, to, to recognize, to be still, to be present, then we can hear the voice of God. If we keep running in the storm, if we keep you know, trying to deal with the earthquake, if we engage in the, the fiery moments, that starts to be the voice that we hear. But God is saying, no, 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 I have a small and still voice and I believe that we have to stop. The Bible says, be still and know. To be still and know. And so everything can keep going on around us. But in those moments, it's just to stop, it's to surrender, it's to humble ourselves and say, God, I could keep going and trying to work it out, but you've told me that your voice is small and still, so if I stand in this moment in your presence, I'm going to hear your voice, and you can show me the way out, as he's always promised to do. It rely, forces us to rely on him and not ourselves. If we keep running off, we might not hear what he wants to say. Until you stand still. Have you ever wondered why a parent can hear the voice of their child, the specific cry of their child? You notice it, don't you? Like, someone, like after church, someone can you know, start crying and, and, and a parent will know the cry. Or, or someone will say, Dad, well, there's plenty of dads in the room. Or Mom, there's plenty of mums in the room. But the parent knows that that's my child saying Dad or that's my child saying Mom. 
because they know their voice. They've learned their voice. It's through the time spent with them. But it's not just time. It's because they were birthed by that parent. And we are created by God in His image. God has birthed you and I. He has birthed humanity. He's birthed creation. There is a connection between us and our Father that is so much greater than just a voice known. There is a real connection between us and God. It's the same reason a spouse can hear the laugh and know that's, that's my wife, that's my husband. There they go again, that laugh. The sneeze, the cough... Whatever it might be, you know the voice. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Even in the heat of the moment, when you know his voice, you can lean into it. Once you lean into it, you can begin to lean on it and you can transfer the weight of the situation that you're in onto God. If you keep running around, you keep carrying the weight of the situation that you are in. But it's a leaning in, then it's a leaning on and it's a transferring of that weight. You recognize, oh, I can lean on God. I don't don't just have to lean in, but I can take the revelation, I can lean on God and it transfers the burden that you are carrying. If you're a Christian, if you're called, if you're doing what you should be doing, then I can encourage you that you should probably expect a fight. There's a battle. That is waging over our soul, over the work of the kingdom. There is a fight. But can I also encourage you that Jesus has already won the victory? You have to understand that you are in a fight. And that fight is waging war. Darkness versus light. Your spirit versus your flesh the enemy of your soul, the one, the Bible says, who roams around the world seeking whom he may devour. You think about that, it's death, it's decay, it's destruction. It's a constant attack on our lives. But we've been given the tools to fight. We've been equipped for every battle, knowing and recognizing that we already know how it ends. That even if the battle wages for our time here on earth, which it does, which it will, Well, the victory is already there. We can walk out that victory now as well. It's not God. It's the enemy. Or maybe you, maybe decisions you've made. God is the way out. You know, in reading over this passage in Kings, I found it so interesting that in response to the voice of God, Elijah stated that he was all alone. He responded to God, he's like, I'm the only one left, I'm all alone, there's none left and now they're trying to kill me too. If you ever think you're alone, I want to encourage you, you're not. If you ever think you're the only one going through what you're enduring, you're not. Isolation is a tool of the enemy, it's the the first stage of destruction, it's the first stage of pulling us away from our relationship with God. It's the first stage of pulling ourselves away from the family of Christ where iron sharpens iron. And and it's when you engage in that moment of isolation that the voice of the enemy, the whispers of the enemy start to get louder and encourage you to ignore those, to fight those, to do whatever you need to do. Run to God. Run to your family. Run to the family. Don't run away, don't hide, don't isolate, because it's just not true. 
It is a tool of the enemy. It's a lie from the pit of hell and is birthed by the father of lies. There's whispers of God and there's whispers of the enemy. He's cunning. He's very cunning. He's very good at what he's good at doing, which is hurting us. He didn't die for us. He doesn't deserve us. He hates us. He wants to take us out. Just a couple of verses earlier in John chapter 10, Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. He said, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I want to illustrate this point a little bit further and I'll be sensitive, like I said, to all the ages in the, the room here, but the Bible says that Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days in every way. Every way, for 40 days. And the guy was hungry too. <laughs> like he hadn't eaten for 40 days. Took nothing. God was supernaturally sustaining him. You can't go that long without eating and drinking. It's impossible, but God can get you through anything. And the enemy chooses that moment to come and tempt him in every way. And then it reads as if he then finishes with like these final three temptations to try and get Jesus right at the end of the 40 days. And he tempts him with a couple of different things, with food, with glory. And he tempts him with taking his own life. And he takes him to the pinnacle, the highest point on the temple, and tells him to throw himself off. And he's like, if you really believe in your God, surely God will save you. Jesus responds to him, quoting scripture correctly. Have you ever been tempted with ending it all? I personally believe we all have. I believe it's a tool of the enemy. It always seems to be when you're alone though, doesn't it? In the car, alone, thoughts get planted, whispers from the enemy trying to do what he wants you to do. Alone at night in bed, maybe your spouse is asleep and you're awake and you get tempted and maybe not even just with thoughts but images. He's devouring, he's trying to devour, it's what his role is. Tempted to do wrong when no one else can see, no one will know. It's greener on the other side. This will be the last time. It won't affect you that much. You know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. It also says that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet he never gave in. He didn't sin. I want to encourage you, you can lean on him. You can rely on your Jesus. Because these thoughts may come, and these thoughts may try to do what the enemy wants to do, but you are not alone. You've never been alone. You never will be alone. If he's doing it to you, I can promise you he's probably doing it to the very person that you love the most in your life. Ask him. Ask your spouse. Ask your children. Ask your parents. Ask the people around you what thoughts you get thrown at you by the enemy. Because when you recognize that you're in a fight together, it's easier to fight. When you recognize that you're not the only one enduring what you are enduring, it is easier to fight the fight. You're not a failure. You are not your sin. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. You do belong. You do matter. You are a gift from God and you will make it. I encourage you again, the best is yet to come. There is real power in darkness. 
It actually is a contextual teaching of Jesus that when you uh, give in secret, you'll be rewarded by your Father who sees everything. Because there's power in darkness. There's power in secrecy. It, there is a, a attached consequence to the things that we do in secrecy. So when we do good things, there's a good reward. But when we engage in bad things, there is a bad reward. That's why the Bible talks about confessing, bring it out into the light. You know, one of the things that I encourage my friends to do with me is to confess our thoughts. Because if you're thinking something, or you're being tempted by something, it's not a sin yet. Because if it was a sin, Jesus would have sinned. But Jesus never sinned. It's not wrong to be tempted. But the enemy wants to try and cause us to, to hide those thoughts and hide those temptations. Because he knows that if it comes out into the light, its sting, its power is removed. And when you recognize that the person next to you is going through the very same thing, you recognize, oh, okay, I see what you're doing there, devil. I'm calling this out. And as you confess it, or encourage you, it will start to lose the stronghold that it is trying to build in your life, saying that, oh, no, this is you, or no, don't tell anyone, they'll think less of you, or they'll think you're not strong. Or, well, it's just not true, because otherwise that's what we would think of Jesus. It's a lie from the pit of hell. So bring it out into the light. Expose the enemy. Expose the thoughts. Hey, these thoughts have been coming at me, honey. Hey, these thoughts have been coming at me, my brother. Hey, these thoughts have been coming at me. These temptations have been coming at me. Can you fight with me? You know what they'll do? They'll probably, oh, man, me too. No way. Why? Because he hates us. He doesn't just hate Christians. He just hates human beings. Because God loves human beings. Even if you're not a Christian, the enemy will fight you and hate you and try to take you out. Just look at what happens to the world around us. The thoughts that come from the darkness, when left in the dark, maintain power and they quickly can begin to consume us. But I've got good news to share with you this morning. The darkness cannot remain in light. When Jesus was going through his darkest hour of his soul, from the Garden of Gethsemane to Golgotha, the most difficult experience that Jesus had to endure, and you see all that his body was going through and what it was about to go through. And the temple guards come. And I remember when I reread this one time recently, I'm like, that is unbelievable. In John 18, it says that when they asked, who is Jesus? Where is Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus steps forward into the moment. I love that. Steps up to the plate. It says, I am he. And as he said, I am he, the Bible says that all of the temple guards were taken aback and fell over under the power of that statement. Because darkness cannot stand in light. What you and I carry is the answer to what we go through. You've got to let it out. You've got to expose what's going on, let the light come out. And I want to introduce you to an acronym that I've developed for this morning. You might know it. It's called CPR. Who loves a little good bit of CPR, hey? Amen, all the married couples, amen. Not ooh. Jade, you're married. Unbelievable. Sorry, Jeremy. CPR. 
CPR. I've got a slide to explain what CPR actually means for us this morning. Confess, proclaim, and revelation. Confess, proclaim, and revelation. You're never going to remember the other CPR after this morning, I hope. (laughs) But this is important because it's the breath of God. It's the breath of life, real life. My first, next slide, my first verse for us to confess is to confess the thoughts to bring it into the light. Confess, the Bible says in James 5.16, to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I want to encourage you, before you even have to confess your sins, confess your thoughts. Confess your thoughts. Bring it out into the light. Number two, proclaim. The Bible tells us to declare the Word of God, to use the sword that He has given us. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 to 18, it says this, to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Why? Because we're all going through it. We're all enduring the fight that the enemy is throwing at our lives. Proclaim. Proclaim the word of God. Declare the truth over the situation. Number three, revelation. The Bible tells us to think, to fill our mind with good things, to think on these things. Fill your mind with the word of God. Philippians 4, 8 to 9, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Fix them. Fix your thoughts on these things. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. CPR, confess, proclaim and revelation. When you think of these things and you fill your mind with these good things, what are you doing? You're driving the Word of God into your mind, which means you're, you're filling up on light. It's going to cause the darkness to be expelled. It's going to cause the darkness to leave your life. I want to ask you a question this morning. What do you have to pull from? What content is filling up your mind. Because the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. Who is bigger? The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Who already knows what's going to happen tomorrow? You don't have to work it out. CPR, confess, proclaim, revelation. CPR, allowing the breath of life to be breathed into the circumstance. Allowing the breath of life to come in, the Word of God to be breathed into the situation recognizing that what spoke you into existence is still the same power that can cause life to flow where there seems to be no life. The breath of life, it's the breath of God. Just like CPR, there's a biblical process to defeating the enemy. And this is my final encouragement to us this morning. If I could get the band to come back up, please. The Bible tells us to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James chapter 4 verse 7 to 10 says this, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. Got one more slide for you this morning. Simple math. If you want to go to the next slide, guys. Submission to God plus resisting the devil equals he will flee from you. Submission to God and resistance towards the enemy will result in him fleeing from you because darkness cannot remain in light. When those thoughts come, submit to God, resist those thoughts, and he will flee from you. When those thoughts of destruction, when those lies from the pit of hell to rob you of your calling, to rob you of your joy, to rob you of your destiny, to pull you away from what you should be doing with the time that God has blessed you with, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's a promise that you and I can take out of today. It's not he might flee from you. He will flee from you because darkness cannot remain in light. It is physically and spiritually impossible. When light invades, darkness is expelled. Let me finish with this illustration. Who likes online shopping? I do. It's so fantastic. What a brilliant invention. I know some people take it to the next level and like their, their post is like, like probably more known to them than family. <laughs> their door is a revolving door from wish.com or universal, wherever it might be. It's a wonderful phenomenon of the current society that we live in. You can click and collect, that you can click and send, you can click and receive. It's amazing. Stuff that gets sent to us is generally stuff that we've chosen out and we want it. But sometimes things are put in our mail that are not for us. Sometimes you might receive a letter from a previous tenant, a previous homeowner, a previous landlord. What do you do? You write three little letters on the front, don't you? RTS, return to sender. It's the same in the spiritual world. You get sent things that are not for you, that are for the old you, that are for the pre-born again you, that are for the person who you were before you took on a life with Christ. And I want to encourage you this morning to just write RTS on that thing and send it back to where it came from. In that moment, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Say, today, devil, not today. No, devil, that might have been something that worked in my past, but it's not going to work any longer. I refuse to accept this word. I refuse to accept this mail. I refuse to accept what you are trying to, to deliver to me. I don't want it. Right on that thing, RTS, engage in CPR in that moment. Let the breath of life flow through you and send it back to where it came from because you are meant to be here. 
If you are breathing right now, the Bible says that you are a gift from God. Children are a blessing from the Lord. So whether you think you're a blessing to your parents doesn't matter or not because God says that you are a blessing, which means that you are a gift of life from God. You were born at the time that He wanted you to be born with a destiny on your life that He has chosen for you and He wants you to walk it out. So in the fire and the rain and the wind and the earthquakes and the shaking and the the attacks of the enemy, stand still and know the small, still voice, the whispers of heaven. Recognize the whispers of the enemy. Ask God to give you something to say in return. Something to say, no, devil, not today. I don't accept it. I don't allow it. Never again, no more. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, why don't you stand to your feet this morning. I want to pray for us today. I was asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do I end this message? How do I, what do you want to do in the room? And I just felt God say, just let me have a moment. So that's what we're going to do. I just want the band just to play a worship song, but not sing, just to go into it right now. Just start to play one of the worship songs that you've got. Just instrumental, just musical. I want you to close your eyes, church. I want you to engage with your creator, the one who can breathe on your circumstance that you're in right now, the one that can breathe into your mind and cause darkness to be expelled. It's who he is. He's a good God. He's a good dad. He loves you. He wants the best for you. Abundant life is for you. Freedom is only found in Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is freedom. He is peace, the Prince of Peace. He is life. He is the very source of life. He is strength, made perfect in our weakness. He is your Redeemer. Church, God is with you. God is greater than it all. The battle is the Lord's. The victory is yours. The battle is the Lord's. The victory is yours. Thank you.